If there's anything more 4th of July than the annual celebration at Kaskaskia Island, Illinois, I don't know what it is. Kaskaskia Island is the only Illinois community west of the Mississippi River. The flat farmland, surrounded by levees protecting it, that is, usually protecting it from the Mississippi River floodwaters, was once part of the Illinois mainland. But the flood of 1881 cut a new river channel, severing the former state capital from Illinois and making it west of the Mississippi River. Although only a few dozen people live on the island today, it was once the home to 7,000 citizens and served as the first capital of Illinois. Each 4th of July, descendants of early settlers returned to the island's tiny Catholic church for its picnic, listened to speeches, and for the annual ringing of the Liberty Bell of the West. In good years, a light breeze moves the humidity as the celebrants dine on hot dogs, baked beans, and potato chips with a slice of cake or pie baked by the Churchwomen's Guild an extra dollar. Sweet tea and unsweet tea, or canned soda, included in the $7 lunch. In not-so-good years, the muddy river water laps near the top of the levees, raising the humidity to the point even a breeze does little to cool. During the early years of the 21st century, a dozen or so young people stood out among the gathered white folks. The multi-hued students watched and listened under the careful eyes of a pair of Southern Illinois University Carbondale professors. The visiting students were part of the United States State Department program designed to expose international student leaders what real America looks like. That is the America beyond what movie screens, TV shows, New York, L.A., and Washington, D.C. show. With budget cuts to the State Department, that program has likely disappeared, in spite of its usefulness in furthering U.S. diplomatic goals. The SIUC program took international students to county courthouses, where they could watch the American justice system in operation, to the state capitol, to big city Chicago, and to rural celebrations like Kaskaskia Island's Fourth of July. All done with the goal of increasing future leaders' understanding of America, the real America. Why Kaskaskia Island? Because one of the guiding professors, an SIUC political science Ph.D., Barb Brown, was a multi-generational Randolph County farm girl. She also served as Randolph County Circuit Clerk, a member of the state's Democratic Central Committee and County Democratic Chair. She loved sharing her community with the students and her students with the community. If something was happening in Randolph County, Illinois, Barb was in charge of it, served on the committee for it, or was the person who came up with the idea for it. I met Barb through my wife, Annette, who, as the first woman elected a circuit judge in the five southwestern Illinois counties of the 20th Judicial Circuit, which included Randolph County, worked frequently with Barb. Like Annette, when Barb asks, it's hard to say no. So when Barb asked me, as the commanding general of the Illinois National Guard, to be the keynote speaker at the celebration, the only possible answer was yes. Likewise, 
when she asked me to address the international students afterwards in a private gathering at Fort Kaskaskia State Park on the bluffs overlooking the river and the island. The only possible answer was, once again, yes. Barb had, of course, also prevailed upon Annette to provide her courtroom in Belleville, which has the largest criminal docket outside the Chicago area, as a learning experience for the students. After hot dogs, baked beans, and a speech interrupted not by applause, but by a thankfully brief thunderstorm, uh, which overturned chairs, podium, and soaked my Army combat uniform, the professors, students, Annette and I loaded up, drove west back into Missouri, before turning east to cross the Mississippi River at the Chester, Illinois Bridge, returning to the land of Lincoln, then climbing the bluff at the Pierre Menard home to Fort Kaskaskia. Disembarking, the students gawked over the CCC-era stonework, past the river, at the island we'd just left, and the Ozark Mountain foothills as a backdrop. Photos snapped. They gathered in a semicircle for my explanation of my role as a general and the role of the National Guard as both a military force and a disaster response team, with most of its members part-time soldiers, while they were full-time teachers, farmers, policemen, and clerks. While the students had several questions, one in particular sticks in my mind a dozen years later. The young man, a student from Pakistan, asked, In my country, the military is in charge. Even though we have a president, they are the ones in charge. Why don't you just take power? You have the guns. Shocked at the concept, I tried to explain to him the concept of civilian control of the military. I tried to explain the ingrained tradition and rule of law that military members must follow. He clearly wasn't impressed, or perhaps failed to understand. I lamely ended with, we just wouldn't do that. Today, with all of the cultural norms that have been assaulted by the Trump administration, I hope that cultural norm still stands. I believe that it does. I believe in a tradition held in common that united we stand, divided we fall. That although divided we stand politically, united we stand in our belief in democracy, our belief in equality, our belief in freedoms of speech, religion, press, and right to petition our government. Those among us who would deny those rights to our fellow citizens shall not and must not succeed.